You're thinking about getting an electric car, but you want to be able to charge it at home. Including installation, the city permit, the follow-up inspection, all the coordination, everything that goes into it. So our customers can basically close their eyes, open them up again, and have a good licensed, permitted, inspected home charger. There's really no maintenance to speak of for home charging. As long as you make sure you're treating the charger well, you're not dropping it, you're not running over the charging cable, you're not damaging it. And how did the UK get ahead of the US in EVs? The government have banned the sale of petrol and diesel vehicles in 2030 to transition to electric vehicles. They won't be for absolutely everyone, and I'm sure there'll be a small minority who'll rush out on December 2029 and buy the last petrol guzzler, but that's the equivalent of going and buying the last DVD in Best Buy. You just wouldn't do it. This is The Language of Business, a podcast to inform and inspire entrepreneurs, anyone thinking about a startup or anyone looking to make a business pivot. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Our host is Greg Stoller, Harvard MBA and senior lecturer at Boston University Questrom School of Business. In this episode, we look at getting a home charging station for your new electric vehicle. And why is the UK so far ahead of the US in converting to EVs? Here's Greg Stoller. Thank you, Don. You finally decided to take the plunge and buy that electric vehicle. Okay, now what are you going to do about charging it every night? Like everything else in life, you get what you pay for, but where does it ever stop in terms of the cost outlay? We might have some good news for you. We're virtually on location with Matt Laundre, president of Willow Glen Electric, and welcome to the Language of Business. Thanks for having me. Matt, electric home chargers, how do they work? How do they get installed? Our customers contact us via email or phone, and we have them fill out a questionnaire on our website that gets us a lot of information about their about their home's electrical system and their home's construction. And it actually helps educate our customers on their electrical system. A lot of them didn't know a lot of the answers to their questions before they started this. And it's a really quick questionnaire. It takes five minutes. And after that, they're requested to email some pictures into our company so they can do this remotely. And uh, for every one person who tells me, I don't have time for this, this is ridiculous that you're making me send pictures in, no joke, I'll have 20 people tell me, I have no time to do this, this is ridiculous, which is why I love this so much, because I have no time to schedule a meeting in the middle of my workday, I can do this at night, I can do this on the weekend, I can do this before I leave for work in the morning. It's a really helpful process for the majority of our really busy customers. Okay, so they email the pictures into us, and from there we can work on electrical load calculations to ensure we're designing the charging circuit properly. And we can oftentimes push out a quote without ever stepping foot on site. Is a permit required or special electrical circuitry? Yes, 100%. Every electric vehicle charger we install for our customers gets a permit from the local building jurisdiction. They can be a pain to pull with the different jurisdictions, but it's a really important part of protecting the home properly. How do home chargers differ from commercial ones? Home chargers are typically less robust than commercial chargers, which is great because they don't cost as much. Commercial chargers will cost easily thousands of dollars, up to tens of thousands of dollars just for the charger itself. So you can have a, a level three 40 volt charger that potentially could charge your car in just an hour or two, but that would never ever get installed at a house. Home chargers are a lot lighter, a lot smaller. They'll have a 25 foot charging cable on them and they're designed to be as inconspicuous in or outside the garage as possible. And how much do those cost, not only the installation, but also ongoing maintenance or operating costs? The chargers themselves are typically in the 500 to $1,000 range. And for us to install a charger at a customer's house, kind of including the, the pre-engineering, we like to provide the charger ourselves, including the installation, the city permit, the, the follow-up inspection, all the coordination, everything that goes into it. So our customers can basically close their eyes, open them up again, and have a good licensed, permitted, inspected home charger. It's usually in the 2000 to $2,500 range. 
Sometimes they're less, you know, sometimes if we just need to put in a simple 50 amp NEMA 1450 receptacle, it can be a little bit lower than that. Or sometimes if we have to upgrade the home's electrical infrastructure, doing a 200 amp main panel upgrade or installing a demand charge controller or other smart device to help us install a charger in a home that has an undersized electrical system, you know, those installations could easily stretch into the five to $10,000 range. Majority of that cost is not involved in the EV charger itself. It's just ensuring the infrastructure is sized properly. And what about ongoing operating or maintenance costs? Ongoing maintenance, there's really no maintenance to speak of for home charging. As long as you make sure you're treating the charger well, you're not dropping it, you're not running over the charging cable, you're not damaging it in that way, there's really no maintenance costs. Um, chargers though are like any other modern device. I mean, it's a glorified computer. So every couple of years it might break. You might get four or five years of use out of the charger, at which point you might need to replace it. But maintenance wise, there should be no maintenance to speak of. And what about your electric bill? What do you expect to see, say, two or three months after installation? I used to live in a little fourplex apartment complex. I put in a 120 volt, 20 amp receptacle when I got my Model 3 a couple of years ago. And my first month, my utility bill skyrocketed hundreds of dollars more than I was expecting. Still less than I was paying for gas. It was a lot more expensive than I was expecting. And I contacted pg and adjusted my utility rate to the time of use style rate since I was charging at night. And I programmed my car to start charging at midnight. And my utility bill went from you know $300 that first month back down to the more expected $80 or $90. And now in my house, it hardly adds anything. It's way cheaper than gas. It's amazing. That's very cool. But if people are not using the commercial chargers as much, how does the industry then make money? There is no greater luxury in driving an electric vehicle than in getting to charge at home at night and never having to worry about where you're refueling your vehicle. I love being able to come home at night, plug in my charger and just not think about it and just wake up with a fully fueled vehicle for that day. That being said, there will always be a need for public charging. Whether I'm driving to visit family hours away, whether I'm just out and about driving sometimes hundreds of miles in a day, visiting customers, visiting work sites. So that there will always need to be public charging. And then there are always the cut, those electric vehicle drivers that do not have the ability to have a home charger. I actually had a friend a couple of years ago ask me if it was possible to drive an electric vehicle without having access to that. He lived in an apartment at the time and I told him, yes, it's 100% possible to do that. It would be annoying, but it's totally possible to do that, especially these days. There's more and more really fast level two and then really fast level three chargers around major metropolitan areas. So there's always going to be need for public charging. Willow Glen came first. EV experts came next. How did you decide to make that pivot into the EV experts part of your business? Willow Glen is a, a small area of San Jose, California. It's, it's a neighborhood, good neighborhood, it has a good name to it. And Wilgan Electric is who we were for 20 plus years working on residential projects in this area. But our electric vehicle part of our company had helped us grow and expand beyond the, the San Jose area. And as we were going farther and farther away, people started asking us, wait a second, Wilgan's that neighborhood of San Jose, what are you doing here? And I knew there needed to be a need for a larger someday national charging presence for helping with home chargers. And I thought that we had a sub-brand of EV experts that could help with that. So we started EV experts, kind of a, you know, a DBA division of Wilden Electric. And it's been a pretty popular part of our business. Which has more volume these days, the original or the electric portion? EV experts feeds into Wilden Electric. Wilden Electric feeds into EV experts. When we, when we do good electric vehicle charging work for our customers, they come back to us asking for recessed lights, asking for other miscellaneous hot tub circuits and other, other electrical work around the house. And when people come to us asking for just normal panel upgrades and, and other items, naturally they will say, oh, you also do electric vehicles. I want to get an electric vehicle. They really go hand in hand. Matt, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Matt Laundre, president of Willow Glen Electric. Don, back to you. Thanks, Greg. Still to come, the UK has banned sales of combustion engine cars starting in 2030. 
We'll find out what impact that's having when the language of business continues. I didn't even realize what it meant to be in a top-tier business school until my first day. And I just really, for the first time, felt like I was in a place where everybody knew what was going on and everyone was incredibly driven to study this and perfect this field. And so I think being in a top business school really means that you are finding the barriers and the edges of the field and pushing them a little farther. And that's what Questrom has taught me over the past four years. Questrom's really helpful because you get to not only study the basics of business, such as accounting or marketing, but you really get to dive further in and to see applications of the health sector and how business applies to sustainability efforts around the world. They really want us to kind of focus it on four emerging areas, and those areas were healthcare, security, sustainability, and technology. Those are really where the jobs are going to be. They really want us to come out from the Question School of Business and be able to work in any area of the industry. Interested? Go to bu.edu slash questrum. You're listening to the language of business. We've heard how to get a home charging station. Now we'll learn how the EV evolution is going in the UK. Back to Greg Stoller. Thank you, Don. We share so many positive values with our friends across the pond in the UK, and we won't hold it against them that they actually drive on the wrong side of the road. But when it comes to cars, are their beliefs and trends about electric vehicles the same as those of us in the United States? We're on location virtually with Martin Miller, the founder of EV Experts in the UK. And Martin, welcome to the Language of Business. Thank you very much. Good to be with you guys. Nice to have you here. Thank you for doing this in your own time zone. You were piloting yachts and racing yachts and did a pivot a few years ago to start EV Experts. Why'd you do something like that? My career started sailing because I have a love of the environment. I then spent most of my corporate life in the world of advertising. As you get into your late 40s in advertising, it gets a little old. So I decided to buy an electric car and found the experience pretty awful, really, mainly because back in 2016, motor retailers just haven't really planned how to sell an electric vehicle. Okay, so now fast forward five years, you've started EV Experts. What sorts of services do you offer? We are independent, so we stock all the brands. We're specialists. We only sell electric vehicles. Our primary business is selling used or pre-owned electric vehicles. We do have some very nearly new cars as well. We also have a consultancy side of the business where we assist either individuals, small organizations, or even very big organizations on electrifying their fleets. And what is the single biggest question you get the most from prospective customers? It's one of three. Can I do all three in one go? Absolutely, go for it. So the first one is range. Everyone's got range anxiety. We always joke with customers that the first two weeks of owning an electric car, they nearly crash it because they're constantly looking at the range meter thinking they're going into town and they've only got 60 miles left, but it's three mile journey. (laughs) But after two weeks, they learn to have that confidence. The second one is the battery. When's it going to wear out? When's it going to stop? Well, the answer is I sold a Nissan Leaf last week that was 10 and a half years old. And that vehicle, when it was new, had a realistic range of 80 miles. We advertised it as a 60 mile car. But when I charged up to sell it, it's had 73 miles of range on the clock. So yeah, they do deteriorate by one to 2% a year. But it does not mean an 11 year old car, you have to throw it away. And finally, the question is, how do I charge it? And that's a long answer. 
But normally, if you've got off-street parking or the ability to charge at your home, then that's really not a problem. And if you haven't, then a lot of the local authorities are making it a lot easier to charge on street. So you mentioned that you buy and sell all brands, but are some given a little bit more mind share than others? For sure. I mean, Tesla equals electric cars, but they're not the only player in the marketplace. In fact, Nissan, certainly in Europe, has been the predominant brand of electric car, and so have Renault, and those are the bigger brands. However, in the last few years, the number of brands has increased dramatically with things like Jaguar entering the marketplace, Peugeot, Ford, and now the Volkswagen Group are just throwing everything at electric. So yeah, it is more than just we sell Teslas. How do you folks make money? Is it a commission on what you sell? Is it an hourly rate based on your consultancy or, or possibly option C, all of the above? The way you make money is you buy them cheap and you sell them for more than you buy them. And you aim to keep the vehicle in stock for the minimum amount of time. And at the end of the day, uh, is there a healthy resale market that you can buy an electric car, which is comparatively pretty new, with a low enough per pound amount that the resale is going to be worth it to you folks financially? Absolutely. We make money because our strategy is finding the right electric car for you and your lifestyle. So it's about finding the car that's going to really work for that person. And by giving them a consultative sell, we don't start the conversation of do you like a blue or do you want a red one? What's a typical journey? What do you do? What do you commute in the week? What do you do at the weekend? How often do you do longer trips? And then add all of that together and then come up with a list of recommended vehicles, hopefully which we've got in stock. If we haven't got in stock, we were likely to say, we've got this, we also recommend this, and this could be coming in in the next couple of weeks. And then we hope they buy from us rather than going elsewhere and finding another car. So that's the business. Very interesting. What is the average time, by the way, one of your vehicles stays in inventory? That's the magic number. You normally typically have a wheel to refurb or a service or a bit of paint. So that takes a week or so. Minimum you'll ever do is two weeks. If a vehicle has been in stock for less than 60 days, there is every chance it will be a profitable transaction. If it's more than 60 days, it's less likely to be a profitable. If it's got to four months, sorry, 120 days, that's the point at which the market will have dropped because every piece of metal depreciates every month and your margin does not allow for more than four months of depreciation. So it's about turn very much. In the United States, electric vehicles are really taking off. What's happening in terms of those same trends in the UK? There's a national car buying website called Autotrader. And that typically has around half a million used cars on at any one point. When I launched in early 2017, there were 210 used electric cars. I had 21 of them. And that was the market. Yesterday, I think there were 22,000 used electric cars. In the last few months, if you look at electric and plugged in electric, over 30% of new cars. It is here. It is driven by government actions, but also word of mouth. People once, I genuinely, in four years, have had, I think, one customer who went electric and then went back. It's a one-way street. Why would I rent a DVD and have to return the DVD when I can use a film streaming service? Why would I have a car that I have to put £100 worth of petrol in a week where I can charge it up at £10? What do you think is going to happen to petrol then uh, in the UK in the next few years? The government have banned the sale of petrol and diesel vehicles in 2030. 
So nine years is not a long time. It was interesting. It was 2035, but in the act of bringing it forward to 2030, it suddenly became really big news. Because if a customer keeps a car typically three years, they're thinking, hang on a minute, if I buy something that's you know, in a few years' time, what's going to happen? A series of carrots and sticks to transition to electric vehicles. They won't be for absolutely everyone. And I'm sure there'll be a small minority who will rush out on December 2029 and buy the last petrol guzzler. But most people will see that, as I say, that's the equivalent of going and buying the last DVD in Best Buy. You just wouldn't do it. Very, very interesting. I started off our interview by saying that the United States and the UK share positively so many values, but there are some differences besides just driving on opposite sides of the road. The voltages are different. The plugs are different. How does that translate to electric vehicle use across the pond? The biggest difference is the physical size of the country. In the UK, typical car does 14 miles of driving a day. That's all. If you live in London and Southeast, which is a good percentage of the population, 100 miles in any one direction, you get your feet wet. People do not drive for typically more than an hour or so at a time. Now, an hour of driving is roughly 60 miles of range. We say a car that can do 180 miles, which is three hours driving in the UK, is probably all that most people ever need, because after three hours, we all need a comfort break and a cup of coffee. But are the batteries then smaller? Is the weight of the vehicle different? Not necessarily. UK cars, by default, are smaller. We do not drive F-150s. The pickup truck is a small version over here, mainly down to smaller roads, but also just it's a car culture. If you're living in a crowded city, then you are going to have typically a smaller vehicle. If you lived in central Boston, that's very different to someone living in Maine. Martin, thank you very much. Okay. Martin Miller, founder of EV Experts out of the UK. Back to you, Don. Thanks, Greg. And that's part two of our look at the evolution of electric vehicles. Support for the language of business is from Boston University Questrom School of Business. We now have downloads in 40 states plus D.C., and international downloads are now up to 77, plus several more marked as unknown countries. We appreciate the support. If you enjoy the language of business, please subscribe and tell a friend. The language of business is available wherever you get podcasts, or just ask Alexa. Our social media is by Jennifer Powell of the Excellent Writers Group. Music by Randy Barth of Oswe Media Group. Consulting producer Helen Tierney of Happy Accident Productions. Direction, audio editing, and voiceover by yours truly. Special thanks to Mike Carruthers of somethingyoushouldknow.net. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. For Greg Stoller and the entire team, thanks for listening to The Language of Business.